Amen. You may be seated. Let's take our Bibles this morning and be ready for our preaching. Our preacher is Pastor Phil Clayton. Pastor Clayton uh, was the pastor of Kitchener Baptist Church for many years here in Canada and uh, so thankful for his friendship. Now let me give you some advice. I know we're Canadians and we're very polite and so we laugh at his jokes but you're only encouraging him to tell more. All right, so please, I know you're being polite, but let's not encourage that kind of behavior, all right? And uh, he thinks he's funny. No, I love Brother Clayton. We, we do nothing. All right, that's enough introduction. Amen. Go ahead, sit down. <laughs> we went through, a few years ago, we went through some ministry transition stuff at the same time. Right. And we got together many times and cried on each other's shoulders, and we both said, we can't figure out what God is doing. But he's my best friend in the ministry and been a huge help to me over the years. And I appreciate him so much and love him. And uh, when we get together, all we do is laugh. We have a great time. And and you need friends like that. And I appreciate him so much. And Sharon as well. Uh, Sharon, we invite Phil just to have Sharon come. We love her and appreciate them so much. Thank you. I I often say we don't get much done, but we sure have fun, right? Okay. Turn to Proverbs chapter 23 this morning. The book of Proverbs chapter 23. 23. I want to preach a sermon this morning that's simply entitled, Who Has Your Heart? Who Has Your Heart? Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 26. Before I read this scripture, let me just ask you a question. I'm asking the question of men this morning that are married. Married men. All right, pay attention now. This is your quiz. What is in two days? Valentine's Day, amen. Your wife is going to put, you know, you got brownie marks with your wife for that, amen. The rest of you men, it is Valentine's Day. It's February 14th, okay? Just to remind you, I see your wives kind of punching you there. Don't forget about that. We think in this month, we think about the heart. You go to the, you go to the store And there's candy in the shape of a heart, right? And it's all about the heart. And we think about love and those kind of things. I want to, I want to preach this morning on this question. Who has your heart? Uh, The Bible says here in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 26, the Bible says, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. This is a mission conference. How does this all fit together in missions and the missions theme and missions conference? Well, listen, when we think about missions and we think about those that are going around the world to preach the gospel and we that are here at home supporting those as they go. Listen, in order for you to give and give what God wants you to give, God has to have your heart. You know, every missionary that surrenders themselves to go, uh, they have to give of themselves to do the job that God has called them. They have to give God their heart. Here in the book of Proverbs, we find this where the Bible talks about the heart. There's much attention given to the heart in Scripture and in the Word of God. The heart, of course, when we see this word in Scripture, most of the time it's not speaking about that muscle that's inside your chest that pumps the blood throughout your body. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the heart as the Bible talks about it, which is the seat and emotion of your will. Does God have your heart? Kind of reminds me of the time when... um, 
And by the way, get ready to laugh, okay? Just a warning you ahead of time. It reminds me of the time when Jane said to her boyfriend, Tom, do you love me with all of your heart? And Tom said, uh-huh. Jane said, do you think I'm the most beautiful woman in the world? And Tom said, uh-huh. Jane said, am I the dearest thing in the world to you? And Tom said, uh-huh. And Jane said, oh, Tom, you say the most beautiful things. But, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, she wanted his heart, amen? And there's a lot to be said about that, the heart. The Bible says here, my son, give me thine heart. God is speaking here as a father would speak to his son. And as he speaks, he speaks to his children. And God is saying, give me thine heart. You know what God wants today? God wants your heart. That's what he's after. That's what he desires. And so I want to take a few minutes and speak about that. I think about this verse of scripture comes to mind when I read this verse is in Deuteronomy chapter six and verse number five. And this verse of scripture um, is a very important verse because it's not only in Deuteronomy, but it's repeated by the Lord Jesus in Matthew and Mark and Luke. We find this many times throughout the scripture and that verse is this, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. The first thing he mentions there is love me with all of your heart. To be desirous to, to obey him and to do his will and to follow him with your life. Hey, listen, someone has your heart. Who has your heart today? I want to look at three simple points this morning on who has your heart. Well, let me say, first of all, the question is this, does Satan have your heart? What about Satan? Well, let me tell you this today. Satan desires to have your heart. God here asks for your heart, but Satan also desires to have your heart. I mean, he wants your focus to be on him. Although he does not care about you, he still desires to have your heart. Satan doesn't care anything about you. If Satan has your heart, that just simply means God doesn't have it because it can't be possessed by both at one time. Does Satan have your heart? We, we look around us today and, and see that it seems like a lot of people have given their heart to Satan. The devil has such power in our world today and does terrible things. But Satan wants to have your heart. But l let me tell you, if you give your heart to Satan, Satan will destroy it. He wants to have your heart, but he wants to destroy it. That just, we just uh, recently went through the Christmas season. I, I, I love the Christmas season. I think one of the things, don't you find people... I mean, mostly are a little bit happier and a little bit more joyful in the Christmas season. I mean, don't you find that? I find that maybe that comes from the fact that, you know, we're giving and giving brings joy. Uh, you know, it's better. It, the Bible says more blessed to give than receive. And so that that uh, a feeling, that atmosphere, that mindset of giving, I think puts us in a more joyful uh, mood. Isn't it great to walk into a store or something and be around and hear like, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Doesn't that, I mean, that gives you, puts you in a good mood. You know what I hear this, this past couple of Christmases, I'm getting really disgusted at something. I, you go into a store or go somewhere and you hear some music playing 
And the big popular Christmas song now is this song, and it drives me crazy. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. The very next day, you gave it away. You know what I'm talking about? Boy, doesn't that put you in a Christmas mood. I, I, you know, I heard that song. I listened to that song. I thought, who is the nut that's singing that song? And what is that? I hate that song. Last Christmas, I, isn't that a real Christmas song? Hey, you know, I'd rather hear Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know what I'm saying? I mean, good night. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. It made me think about the heart. And the very next day, you gave it away. Think about that for a minute. Boy, you gave your heart away pretty easy. And for, for a stupid reason, and the very next day you gave it away, I mean, that just shows the ignorance. Can you imagine the person that wrote that song? I mean, not thinking through. And what is it about? I mean, it's just crazy. I'm, you know what? The devil wants to steal our joy at Christmas. When we think of the coming of the Savior and we think of what happened that day, hey, the devil wants to steal that away. The devil wants your heart, but he will destroy your heart. He'll take it. He'll mess it up. He'll trash it. That's what the devil wants to do. Are you going to give your heart to Satan? Hey, one of the things that the devil will give you, if you give your heart to the devil, he'll give you the pleasures of sin. The Bible talks about, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the pleasures of sin. But let me tell you this morning, the pleasures of sin only last for a season. They don't last. The pleasures of sin might bring some pleasure to your heart for a little while, but that's going to go away. And the devil's not going to fulfill that with anything good. And he is going to, through that, destroy you. When we drive around and we see, we see the billboards and we see the advertisements of some of those things that uh, some of the children and the different ones were mentioning this morning in Sunday school about worldliness. What is worldliness? And somebody said drinking. You know, you see the, you see the billboards of people that are drinking, advertising different beer and things like that and different whiskey and all that. What do they put? They pe put people on there smiling, having a great time. This is great. Take this, drink this you'll be happy but they don't show them after the pleasure is gone right they don't show what it does to a family what it does to a life and the destruction that is involved therein they don't show that you know why because Satan is a liar he is a deceiver he wants your heart the pleasures of sin aren't going to last. Listen to me this morning. If you give your heart to Satan, you will end up discouraged, diseased, destitute, destroyed, and damned to hell for eternity if you give your heart to the devil. Satan wants your heart. My second point is this. Self. Who has your heart? Does Satan have your heart? You say, well, not me. Satan doesn't have my heart. But what about yourself? What about self? What about just keeping your heart for yourself? Listen, this is what, uh, this is what I think human nature causes us desire, to desire. I want to keep my heart for myself. I don't give it away to anybody. I can keep it for myself. This is, I would say, probably this was what most people want. They don't want to give it away. They want to keep it for themselves. Even I find that many, even going into ministry in some areas, in some respects, they just want to keep their heart for themselves. They just want to do what they want to do. I, I, 
I call this the, the, really the seed of pride and selfishness. Oh, my soul, don't we live in a selfish society today? Our society today is so selfish, self-centered. It's all about me. It's all about, uh, do you remember what, I think one of the best example is, do you remember when, uh, you know, back years ago when we would get a camera? You remember what a camera is? And it had a lens that looked out and you looked through and you pointed it at people and took their picture. How many remember that? Remember that? Now the camera's on the phone. Now you, you know what the camera does? It looks back at me. And it takes pictures of me. It's, that's a picture of our selfish society. It used to be about you, but now it's all about me. I mean, all of these, you know, Instagram and Facebook and all, it's all pictures about me. Pose this way, pose that way, pose that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, I'm here. Look, I'm there. I saw a couple the other day. They were taking pictures of their honeymoon. And here was the picture. Him and her together and said, and a point back said, this is us at Disney World. This is us at, I don't know, whatever else is around there. This is us at the beach. This is us in our motel. You couldn't tell where they were. It's just them two, every picture. They could have said we were in China. You wouldn't have known. You know, people are so selfish today. All they're worried about is themselves. And sad to say that some even going into ministry today. I, I'm telling you honestly the truth. I'm, I'm teaching in a Bible college right now. And uh, listen, you know, those kids come in there and they, they've been trained, especially if they've been, uh, been watching television and, and, and the public schools, they've been trained about me and my, what about myself? What about me? What's good for me? What's going to help me? Hey, why don't we look out for the other person? Why don't we look out for our neighbors? Why don't we look out for those around us? It's always who's going to help me. Do you know a lot of people come to church that way? They come to church and they sit there and they say, how am I going to be blessed today? Why don't you come to church and say, who can I bless today? Amen. Who can I help today? Who can I edify and uplift today instead of always thinking back about myself? Do you have your heart yourself? Do you keep it for yourself? Turn over with me to the book of Proverbs and look at verse number, uh, Proverbs, verse number 28. Proverbs, verse number 28, and uh, excuse me, chapter 28, verse 6. Proverbs 28 and verse 6. The Bible says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. You see, if you trust in your own heart, if you keep your, your, your heart for yourself, the Bible says you are a fool. Hey, you know what missions is all about? Getting your eyes off of yourself and getting your eyes on the need that's around the world. Who has your heart? If you keep your heart for yourself, you're not going to reach down in your pocket. You're not going to sacrifice to give to send missionaries around the world and preach the gospel around the world. You're not going to be a part of that. Maybe you'll give a little bit off here and a little bit off of there, but you're not going to really know sacrifice if you keep your heart for yourself. Hey, you know what's going to happen? You keep your heart for yourself, you will make mistakes. You see, when you try to have control, you lose control. We look around our world today and we see these protesters. 
protesting this and protesting that. It's all about themselves. It's all about my rights and what I need. Listen, I, I just like to stand up and preach to those protesters and say this. You know what all of us really deserve? We, oh, they they want to say we deserve this and we deserve... You know what we really deserve? We really deserve hell for eternity. That's what we deserve. But praise God in His graciousness and through the blood of Christ we can be saved and have our sins forgiven. And they, they talk about peace and they protest for peace and we want to have peace. And I saw the other day one of these, uh, one of these protests going on. It was on on the news down in the States and, and uh, one of those protesters sneaked up behind one of the women that was standing there. She wasn't part of the protest, but she was standing there and lit her hair on fire. And we talk about peace and peace. What kind of people would do that? I'll tell you what kind, selfish people who just think about themselves. You know, if that's you, you just want to keep yourself keep your heart to yourself. Hey, guess what? The devil doesn't mind that. The devil's okay with that. Do you know why? Because you're going to make mistakes and you're going to mess things up. In the long run, the devil wins. In the long run. You know, the Bible tells us, I want you to turn over to the book of Matthew. I'm going to show you a couple of verses there. In the book of Matthew chapter 19, Book of Matthew chapter 19. Jesus uses an illustration of a man that came up to him. And uh, the Bible calls him the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came up to Jesus. And one of the problems of the rich young ruler was that he wanted to keep his heart for himself. He was a selfish man. Look what, look what took place in Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 verses 21 and 22. And Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. His possessions and his wealth and his riches caused him to turn down Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. All the money in the world cannot pay for your salvation. All the money in the world, however much you attain, however much you gain, is not going to keep one person out of hell. It's not going to keep you out of hell. Listen, my friend, today, follow the Lord Jesus. Put him first in your life. Don't try to keep your heart for yourself and everything for yourself. You're going to end up with just like this man. You're going to end up with nothing. My third point is this, my third and final point. Who wants your heart? Who has your heart? Satan or self? The third point is this, the Savior. Who has your heart? I hope the Savior has your heart. Listen, God desires your heart. We saw back there in the book of Proverbs, give me thine heart. God wants to have your heart and he wants all of it. Give it to him. I heard an illustration that really fit this so well. A man was telling a story about buying a house and I thought about the time that, that when I pastored in Kitchener and we bought our house and uh, 
we, uh, we were all excited about that. You know, we looked around at a lot of different homes and, and finally, you know, the Lord just put this one in our lap and, and uh, you know, we walked in there and, and uh, he, you know, he's telling the illustration about buying the house. And I thought about that, buying the house. And here's what he said. He said, you know, I went in, the real estate man was there and took us inside and, and uh, you know, we, uh, we were ready to put the offer in. We were all excited about it. We started to look around. He showed us all around the different rooms, all the bedrooms there, uh, the kitchen and how it was in the dining room and this and that. Showed us all around the house. And, and as we were looking, we are looking back at the patio and I noticed, the guy said, I noticed that there was a closet there and it had a lock on the door. And he said, I said to the real estate man, uh, you know, I went over and grabbed the door and it was locked. Well, what's in here? He said, well, the seller has, um, has requested this, that when you buy the house, you get the whole house except for that closet because he has some things he needed to store in there. And so he's kept it locked and that closet is going to belong to him. Now, how many of you would make that deal? Well, hey, when you buy the house, you want the whole house. Amen. I don't care if it's one little closet. And uh, he said, you know, he said uh, the, the real statement well, it's just a little closet. It doesn't take up much room. But no, 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 no. When I buy the house, I want the whole house. All of it. I want to be able to get in every place. It's mine. I paid for it. I'm going to buy it. Let me tell you something. A lot of God's people are just like that house. They give God all of their heart except for, I just want to keep one room. I just want to keep one part for myself. This is mine. God, I know that you died on the cross and you paid it all. The song says Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Hey, God paid for it all, but Lord, let me just keep one part. Hey, listen, if God paid for it all, he should get it all. He should get everything. The Savior desires to have your heart. He's not going to take it. You must give it. You must give it over to Him. The missionaries that come here and give their testimonies like we had on Friday night, they've given God their heart. And they said, if I have to leave my hometown and my home country and leave my family and go to another, another place that's far away, I'll do that. Why? Because you have all of my heart. Let me ask you something today. Does God have all of your heart? Lock, stock, and barrel, all of it. Does he have it? You must give it to him. Oh, my friend, when you give God your heart, he gives so much in return. You could never, you could never outgive God. Whatever you give to him, he's going to give you so much more back. Give your heart to God. He makes no mistakes. Hey, if we keep it for ourselves, we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. But God makes no mistakes. My friend, you give your heart to him and you will never regret it. You know, my friend, when we think about missions and giving to missions, if God has your heart, he has your wallet. What God wants is your heart. Give him your heart. I think about some years ago when we were, actually when I was pastoring in Kitchener, and my dad, uh, my dad called me up one day, and he said, um, I'm getting ready to go over. I had a missionary talk to me, 
and he wants to set up a, it's kind of a pastor school type thing, seminars and things. And he said he wants some preachers, uh, line up some preachers from the U.S. to come over and do some teaching during the day. And he asked me to come, and so I'm going to go, and I need some other pastors to go. Are you interested in going over to Moldova? I said, well, yeah, I'd be interested in going. And so we set the dates and got, the, got it figured out. And I went to my church and told about this opportunity. My church said, we'd like to send you and uh, over there. And so um, uh, we got to, it was actually my, my dad and my brother-in-law and myself. And we traveled over to Moldova with this missionary. And what he had done is he had set up to where during the day, in the morning, in the afternoon, and then in the evening, um, pastors from all over Moldova and even from Romania were coming in and uh, they were getting them places to stay and we were going to have classes in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening and to teach on different subjects. And so it, the word kind of spread around and, and when we got there, his, uh, his auditorium wasn't, wasn't real big. I don't know, maybe seat 100 people, something like that. And we got in there and it was, it was pretty full with preachers. Some of the pastors he knew, some of them he had trained and sent out. Um, <clears throat> other pastors that he didn't even know were there. They had heard about this training to be a pastor, and so they all came together. We got in there and we started teaching. I, I can't remember exactly what, what uh, my, my dad was teaching, something about the local church and, and planning churches and things like that. And uh, I can't remember what my brother-in-law was teaching. It really doesn't matter what he was teaching. He taught about everything. But uh, anyhow, he went everywhere. And then I, had, uh, I was teaching on how to, how to teach through a book of the Bible and how to study and those kind of things. And, and so I was going um, through, I think, Galatians. I, I think it was verse by verse. And, and so we had, we had a meeting in the morning. We broke for lunch. We had a meeting in the afternoon. We broke for a little while for supper and all. And then uh, we had uh, the, the evening was more like a, a church service. And there was a guy there that was interpreting. And he was interpreting for all three of us. Incredible man. Three hours. Can you imagine three hours of just teaching one, one after the other, after three hours in the afternoon and then at night. I mean, I don't know how that guy's voice held up. But uh, he was up there and he was translating. He was doing a terrific job. Long about, uh, we had gone, I don't remember, a couple of days. And it may have been about the third day. Maybe it was, uh, I, I think it was uh, the third day. My, uh, we were teaching through, and then my, my uh, brother-in-law, he was up teaching and all these pastors sitting there, they had notebooks and they were taking notes and all this. All of a sudden, right in the middle of while he was teaching, this man stood up. He's an older gentleman. The, the missionary really didn't know much about him, but knew that he was from another denomination, another church, and he'd heard about this and he, he came. And he stood up right in the middle and he started speaking in Moldovan, right out loud. Well, you know, my, my brother-in-law kind of took him back, stopped, and of course he couldn't understand what the guy was saying. He was like, you know, so he kind of looked at the, uh, at the uh, interpreter there, and the interpreter kind of, you know, looked up surprised, and, and the guy in Moldovan, and he just kept talking. Well, we were in the hallway with the missionary, and the, when the missionary heard this, he, he, he stuck his head in the door, he was listening like this, and we were trying to pick up what in the world was going on. And he looked back at us, the missionary, and he said, I don't know what's going on. This guy is confessing his sin. And we were like, what? 
And so the missionary kind of eased his way in there. And uh, pretty soon they started talking and going back and forth. And the missionary told us later what happened was the man was from some other denomination or something and was listening to all of this. And the Holy Spirit of God just was convicting his heart over and over and over again. And the man finally stood up and he said, I I can't take any more of this. I can't listen to any more of this until I get my heart right with God. I don't know Christ is my savior. I've not been born again. I'm a wicked sinner. I've rejected that. And I've been a pastor and I haven't told my people the truth and I haven't preached them to the truth, the truth of the gospel. And I need to know that I'm, this is what he's saying. I need to know that I'm saved. I want to trust Christ. And the missionary walked up there and right in front of the whole crowd, he said to the man, he said, uh, do you admit to God that you're, yes, I admit that I'm a sinner. He said, would you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and trust him as savior? Yes, I want to be saved. I want to trust him right now today. All, all the other preachers were bowing their heads and praying. And he said, uh, then you repeat after me. And that, that man right there in front of all of them preachers prayed and trusted the Lord as his savior. Amazing. He see, he hadn't given his heart. He hadn't given his heart. God moved upon him and he said, I want to give my heart to Christ. Listen, if you're here today without Christ, if you do not know Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior, let me tell you something today. God wants your heart. Would you come and trust him today? Would you be saved today? Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and shed his blood on that cross that you might be saved. Would you give him your heart today? Hey, Christian, what about you today? You say, well, I'm saved. I've been born again. But does he have all of your heart? Are you holding back some places in your heart and not giving them to him? Listen, God wants all of it today. Hey, you'll, you'll never get a vision of missions You'll never get involved. You'll never uh, pray for these missionaries unless God has your heart. Does he have your heart today? Let's stand to our feet with heads bowed and eyes closed in prayer. Everyone standing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Kneel down right here. Amen. Sharon, come pray with us. Give him your heart today. He wants your heart. He wants to take it and use it. Would you come today? If you're here without Christ, heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, the piano is playing. If you're here without Christ and you're not sure that you're saved, would you come and trust Him today? Jesus wants to save you. He wants to give you a brand new heart. He'll take that old sin and wash it away and give you life in Christ. Would you come to Him today? Hey, Christian, does He have all of it? Or are you holding back Some area, some place are you holding back. Hey, don't hold back. Come and give it all to Him. Give it all to Him. God's speaking to your heart this morning. Would you come? Would you come?